Very suspicious. Okay. Hey, um, how you doing? Welcome back to another episode of the Bogey Train. Um, this is our second installment of the second resurrection. Is that third resurrection that fair to if you encounter the radio show? Well, yeah. So the radio show would be the first installment. Then 2020 would be the first resurrection. I guess second resurrection. This would be the second resurrection. So um, joined with me on uh, this episode is Jangles, just like last time. Um, What's up, mashed potatoes? Yeah, feeling good, looking good. Uh, and we've got Noah J. Yo, Noah what up? Joining us from where? All the way down in Georgia. Georgia, Georgia. How's things going down in Georgia? I am an hour away from Augusta National right now. And I play golf on a golf course. So I pretty much played Augusta National today. You know, you could, say, you could say something like that. Dude, they would never. Very similar. They would never let you on. And I'm wearing a Masters hat, so... Who who really who really knows? You know, there's no way to truly tell. I'm guessing, dude. I don't think they'd let you anywhere near that course. They wouldn't even let you play Augusta Wind. Ooh, that sounds like a fun course, actually. But uh, yeah, um, I'm Nick, as usual. Uh, that didn't change from last time. So um, yeah, so we thought, you know, with with bringing the show back, that obviously, you know, we're not going to have a lot of listeners at first but uh you know figure we want to grow our base so what else than um talk about um the most controversial issue in golf so um i like that Noah. they he's just that's where he gets his peaches right down in georgia <laughs> mm-hmm. so me and jb yeah so of course uh that means we're going to be talking about live golf um or i don't know i yeah, LIV. If you don't know, uh, just Roman numerals for 54 because it's 54 golf. Because uh, I guess those guys only want to play three rounds. Because 54 why holes. play? Why play 72 when you can only play 54? That's there it is. That's why. There why it play is. 54 when you can only play 36 though. I think we should. Why play 36 nine. when you can only play nine? Play nine. That's fair. Um. Well, maybe we'll get into that, but. So I have a hard time believing there's anyone that would listen to this podcast that also would not know what live golf is, but in case that person does exist, we'll just give a brief overview. So, um, at the highest level of the game, uh, for, I don't know, a long time, there's been, um, sort of, so the PGA tour has sort has been seen as the pinnacle of golf, generally the um, strongest fields in golf is the PGA tour. And then there's also the European tour now known as the DP world tour. Um, you know, it's a lot more global tour than the PGA tour, which is mostly in the States and maybe, uh, slightly, maybe not quite as strong in terms of the strength of players and strength of field and everything. But this year, uh, um, a new sort of tour golf, uh, you know, professional competition, um, has been started. So it's called live golf L I V for, um, like I said, Roman numerals for 54, um, the professional tour, um, that plays 54 holes shotgun starts. So they don't do tee times. Everyone starts at the same time on different holes and, uh, sort of run sort of started and run by Greg Norman. I think he's had, um, sort of this idea for a while now. Um, 
a few years ago, another sort of league was, was in talks It's called the premier golf league. Um, that one never really panned out, but this one um, taking a lot of those um, similar, I guess, frameworks from the premier golf league idea and using this to start uh, this new golf league. It's funded by the public investment fund of Saudi Arabia. And is there anything else that um, I should touch on in a very general sense before we kind of um, give our first thoughts? Well, I just like to add a couple things. Uh, first, you said that the PGA tour is more like the pinnacle of golf. I would say it's more the titleist of golf pinnacles. Not really that, that great. True. Yeah. I mean, it's like the pro V one of uh, professional tours in the golf world. Yeah. And yes. uh, very, very good point by pinnacle. I uh, didn't mean the golf ball because that's a range ball basically. Not always. I've seen people play the pinnacles. Well, they're usually yes. not, they're usually not great, but. But on the PJ Tour, actually, the range balls are pro V ones or they whatever, are whatever you want them to be. Whatever you want them to be. For me, a top flight. There you go. Yeah, I mean, it's the top flight. What can you? It goes far. It's all that matters. Top gun. Um, Noah, is there anything? Did I miss anything? Anything important for um, the context of Live Golf coming onto the scene this year? Uh, not really. You kind of, you kind of like described it well. I mean, they they play less events, and there's a lot more money. I guess there's a. There's a couple other other big differences, but I'll, we'll get into that when we share. Yeah. Our, so yeah. So, so the so the biggest thing I mentioned, <laughs> I mentioned the funding. So um, you know, you might think, well, why why would an established PGA Tour pro all of a sudden start start with this new tour? Well, a lot of it is the prize funds. They're um, they sign contracts, so there's a guaranteed aspect to it, which isn't um, necessarily the case in the rest of pro golf. So they they sign contracts. I mean. Um, I think each one is different, but I think the, um, the general consensus is like, for example, like Dustin Johnson, his is like a four-year contract. Um, I don't know exactly how much it was worth. So they're signing these contracts for a specific amount of money and then, um, guaranteed money. And then the prize funds and the tournaments themselves is a lot higher. So, um, for example, like first place in these events is a $4 million payout when an average tour event these days is possibly somewhere between maybe around 2 million is an average payout on the PGA tour these days. That um, sounds right. So, and obviously they're trying to increase that, especially with um, live sort of being a factor now. Um, yeah. And then this year their schedule uh, is a lot more global than the PGA tour. They're kind of trying to market themselves as a global tour rather than a U.S. tour. So their first event was in London. They've played eight events this year. Um, next year, it will be expanded to 14 events. Um, so this year they played in London. They played four events in the United States. Uh, they're going to play in Thailand. I think there's going to be one event in Saudi Arabia. And then the final event is going to be in Miami. I don't know if I missed any Um I have it up right here. I think there's just Thailand, um, Saudi Arabia, and Miami left for this year. Yep. So October 7th through the 9th, they are in Bangkok, Thailand. Uh, the 14th through the 16th, they are in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. And the 27th through the 30th, they are at Trump National Doral. In yep, Miami. and that's that's sort of the season finale. Um, so I, there's even there's very lucrative payoffs for certain season-long um 
races as well. And, and that was, and one of the things for this year was you had to be playing events by the Boston event to qualify for the season long. So, which is why that Boston event was so important for some of them. Like, for example, possibly like Joaquin Neiman or others who might have played in the president's cup this week would rather have waited. Um, but you had to be playing in Boston or earlier to be able to qualify for, um, some of the season long prizes that will be at the season finale, um, in Miami. So, um, I think that gives a little bit more context. Um, some of the biggest names in golf that are, that, you know, went from the PGA tour to live golf. Um, I guess some of them were from the DP world tour as well would be like Phil Mickelson. He is probably the biggest name. He was, um, I think sort of, you know, he was actually, he ended up being suspended by the PGA tour for trying to recruit other players to this tour. Um, so he was one of the, I don't know if I want to say like masterminds, but he was involved in, um, this whole process being set up. Um, Dustin Johnson is a big one. Bryson DeChambeau, Brooks Kepka. Um, now guys like, um, you know, young guys too, who had, um, seemingly pretty bright futures on the PGA tour, like Matt Wolf, Abraham answer, Joaquin Neiman, um, Taylor Gooch. Um, did I miss any, any uh, Cam ones? Smith champion Cam Smith? Yes. How could I forget Cam Smith? Uh, and then plenty, and then, plenty uh, of major winners in there too. Like, yeah. Uh, and then a lot Scott, of but Bubba Watson, um, Bubba Watson, Patrick Reed. Yep. Um, and then a lot of guys who are maybe towards the, the later part of their career. Um, and then, so that would be, you know, obviously I mentioned Phil Mickelson, but then like, uh, Graham McDowell, Lee Westwood, Ian Poulter, Sergio Garcia, Henrik Stenson. So they did get quite a lot of big names. Um, some of them are guys who, you know, even they would admit that they're sort of on the twilight of their career, but also some guys who, you know, were up and coming and had, um, you know, the vast majority of their career ahead of them. So um anything else that uh either of you would add to that well and i know with uh like especially the the early uh and i'm sure we'll talk about this in a little bit but the early goers that went to live kind of the early defectors a lot of them were kind of those those older guys or the guys who either hadn't made a name for themselves or were they were kind of on the uh the tail end of their career and so i mean a lot of people didn't think it was going to take off right away and as kind of the the year went on you started seeing more and more of these these younger guys these bigger names like the Neemans and the uh the Cam Smiths that started going over there and uh it, it really changed the outlook it kind of went from a you know it wasn't so much of a danger right away to now it's it seems like it is a huge danger to, to the PGA Tour right yeah. So it, you know, they, and they sort of picked up momentum, you know, more and more because, because you're right. At first, it seemed like, okay, there was maybe like one or two guys that went to, it was like, huh, it really seemed like they still, you know, had the best part of their career still ahead of them. But then, um, you know, with some of the guys like maybe like Bryson, like a Brooks, maybe. Um, and then, you know, now the biggest one is Cam Smith, you know, who, who had a fantastic year, just won his first major. Um, yeah. So though, you know, it, it's clear that there have been significant losses for the PGA tour. And um, so I don't think anyone can deny that. And yeah. Anything else you would add Noah, before we give our first um, our first sort of, I guess, overall thoughts. 
I guess I would say that one man's loss is another man's win. So it's a lot of winners for the live golf, really. And David Faraday, big, big win for live golf, getting him on board. Um, just, just kind of the, the greatest Irish commentator of all time. He's just, he's, he's, he's in the hall of fame. I'm sure. I couldn't think, I can't think of one fame. other Irish commentator. So <laughs> he should, he should be in the hall of fame. Northern Irish. Northern Irish. Yeah, it's all the same. Yeah. It's all the same over there. European yeah. Irish. It's all the same. Yeah. Tell that tell that to yeah. Rory. Yeah, tell that to them. Yeah. But yeah. Um, and then right, like some other names in the in the broadcasting booth. So David Faraday would be probably the biggest one they've got in that regard. So all right, I will throw it to you, Jaden. Just first, not getting too specific into like, you know, some of the things we'll go over, but um your overall thoughts and opinion, I guess, on the live situation. Overall, I'm, I'm a, like a 50, 50. And with my 50, 50, it's kind of a, a unbalanced 50, 50. I think there's a lot of negatives about live golf. Some of the things we'll talk about, uh, like the funding and all the kind of the idea behind it and where it's coming from, but also the changes that it can bring to the professional game, uh, especially the PGA tour. I, I do think some of those can be a positive to uh, kind of change what we know as the game of golf, as time goes on. Noah, let's hear it. Live golf is incredible. Um, from a viewership standpoint, unbelievable shotgun starts i think the way to go if you ever watch these things a no commercials which who who nobody likes commercials so you we'll get, get like we'll five get hours of, a little bit we'll get you get like five hours of uninterrupted golf um they've got on course interviews the the team competition is really fun to watch like you get you almost every shot on the course at all at all times like actually matters as opposed to if you're watching Thursday or Friday on the PGA tour and some guy in like 76th place makes a nice putt for birdie. Like nobody cares. He's not making the weekend. Actually, if he's in 76th and makes a birdie, birdie, that could get him him to the cut line. (laughs) So that could be a huge putt. Good putt. Go have fun with your family on the weekend, you know? Um, But it's, it's electric to watch. Uh, They just, they keep you in the zone for five hours for three days, only what eight weeks of the year. I mean, it feels like there's more weight on each shot on each day. It's great television. Interesting. Interesting. Um, yeah, I almost uh, couldn't disagree with that any more than I do. Um, I am not a fan of live golf in the slightest. I think it is very bad for the professional game. I, um, don't like who's behind the funding. I don't like who is involved with, um, starting, you know, this whole, uh, live golf series. I, you know, there's just, um, I think we'll get into it, but yeah, I am just not a fan at all. I think it is very bad for, uh, professional golf. I think it's very bad for golf fans and I think it's very bad for golf in general. So Yeah. uh, From there, I guess uh, we'll move right into the first thing. It's um, the source of the funding. So like I uh, mentioned earlier, this it's um, 
you know, the funding for Live Golf comes from the public investment fund of uh, Saudi Arabia. And, you know, there's some um, ethical concerns there, and especially with the, uh, the human rights situation in Saudi Arabia and, um, you know, the whole aspect of sports washing and um, things like that. So, I mean, I, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll throw this one to Noah. Is yeah. this a problem yeah, yeah. for you? No. So on, on this big list of questions slash concerns about golf, I only see one question slash concern. And that's this one. Honestly, I have strong opinions positively for everything else, but um, it's, it's a very fair point. I, I, I think it's pretty questionable the source of the money, but at the same time um, to kind of play devil's advocate, it's, hard to find a source of money where the money's all clean you know like what what company is completely immoral in their profits so that's just just a just a counterpoint but um it's it's very suspicious and maybe not the best use of this money but if they have this money um, what do you suggest they do with it other than fund something like this? Well, the th- fund their yeah. citizens, maybe. Yeah. It, here, the, the thing is because with, with the sports washing, so, you know, it's sort of a situation of, you know, why would the Saudi Arabian government, like what, what is in it for them? Why would they all of a sudden decide to throw this much money at golf? And so, you know, the idea with sports washing is that, you know, you get, you get in, um, with a popular sport, obviously like golf. And, um, so it sort of normalizes in, you know, from a, from a Saudi Arabian perspective, it normalizes like, I guess, doing business with Saudi Arabia normalizes Saudi Arabia in the eyes of the West. And so that they can do more business in the West, which they think will ultimately like be to their advantage. Um, so, you know, and, and it's clear that it has been working, right. Because, um, at, at the first live event, that's what a lot of the questions revolved around, especially like from the press to the players. And now that there's been five events, there was, you know, it, you just don't really hear those questions anymore. So, um, as po- you know, it was probably uncomfortable for the players at first, but I think even, even if I think it's pretty out in the open that sports washing is the, um, I guess the motivation in this. I mean, I think it's, it's working because people aren't talking about it as much as they were. So Jaden, I'll let you say something there because I think we both kind of touched on it. Yeah. Going on to the, the sports washing issue. And I mean, you mentioned a sport like golf where you're trying to normalize, you know, this public perception of a, of a country like Saudi Arabia. And I mean, it's not just golf. They're doing it with formula one too. Yeah. Uh, you know, just a huge, probably the, the largest, uh, racing i guess league in the world and just last year uh they took their first ever race to saudi arabia and i mean the discussion was the same there you know they're taking taking money from this country that has some some questionable ideals behind them and uh you know they're running with it to you know portray this this great place even though you know, behind the screen, there's, there's a lot going on. And a lot of it is, uh, 
not good. Right. Noah, did you have something to add? Uh, I, I guess um, first, like, I, I get it. It's a pretty easy target to to like point out. Like, yeah, you're using this this blood money, this this money that's not really coming from a good source. But I don't know if it's necessarily right to put them down for using the money for something like this. Like, I don't really know where I stand on the usage of that money. Like, what are you supposed to do with it? Like, if they have it, like, I, I sure they could give it back to the, their country, but like, just give them money. It's not really going to fix anything. It just gives them money. You know, it's like, I, don't, I have less of an issue with them using the money rather than like, I get right. that they didn't get it in the right Here's sense, yeah, but Here, here's, it, so. here's what I would say to that. It's that like it, we know they're not just trying to give away money. Like you, you know, they're, they're not just trying to give away money. So there's gotta be something in it for them. Right. So it's like, what, what is, what's in it for them to, to yeah. throw, to throw goo goo dollars at the game of it, golf. It, it's, it has to be a, a long-term investment, right? They have to be seeing some sort of profitability in the future. I imagine. And I, I mean, maybe, maybe not because I mean, as I mean, we'll possibly talk about it. Um, but as it stands right now as a business model, like it's not even a business model. Like there has to be, oh, a no, lot no, of, no, yeah. there has to be a lot of changes in the next couple of years mm-hmm. um, for this thing to actually like be profitable for how much money that they have thrown at. I think, I think they needed this much money just to get it, just to get it going. Like if they didn't have, Right. The, the money was such an incentive to get people over there. They didn't yeah. have the, this amount. Like, see, that's, I'm sure they have some sort of plan. They just this was the this was, and that's the, the thing. Floor. Because like when you said you think everything else for live is a positive except the source of funding, but like the source of funding is live. Like that's the whole thing is how much money there is. Like that's sort of that's why it's a thing. So it's not like sort of an afterthought. It's it's what it's built on, and it's how they got all the players. You know. It sure like it it is the reason why it exists, but I think there I don't I wouldn't consider that to be live. I would say that's that was a crucial factor in starting the league. I think a lot of other things define the league or would describe the league better than that. But like like if they had just it's just the the pure monetary value that got the league going. If if they could have gotten the money in a different way or from some other source, like it right. still could have been this league, you know, it's just the number. Um, there's one thing I would say to like what you said about, you know, if you're doing business with, you know, what sort of company, you know, his, all the money's like squeaky clean. Right. And there's definitely something to that. Like if someone's trying, Oh, I'm only trying to support companies that, you know, all of their business dealings are, you know, perfectly aligned with my, you know, you're not perfectly aligned with like my morals and things like that. You're not going to, you know, you're going to be doing business with yourself, right? (laughs) There's, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. but I think there's a difference between, you know, like whether it's governments forming strategic like alliances or, you know, where there's mutual benefit or even like different companies that do business. I think, you know, like if you're a player, 
and you and you end up taking this money it's it's almost as if you are like working directly for the Saudi Arabian government do you see how that's like a little bit different than you know it's I don't know to put it I, in like I, an American I, standpoint I mean, it's like it's very I, similar I, I, to, I like yeah go for it Jade uh very similar to like uh, a political candidate taking money from the M- the NRA because that is that seems to be a hot topic right now and I mean if you take money from the NRA it is assumed to your constituents that you are a you know, a very large pro NRA guy and you're a large supporter of the NRA and believe in everybody should have a gun and all of this, you know, these atrocities that are happening with, with guns, uh, that you're in support of that, but it's not, not always necessarily true. And that's kind of going back towards your point, Nick, that these guys, yes, they're taking money and they know where the money's coming from, but, you know, does that necessarily mean that that they're in support of it. Uh, I don't think that it does necessarily mean that. Right. So like, if I, if I go to like target or like Walmart or some like, if I, you know, patron or Amazon or patronize like an enormous corporation and they're probably doing some business in Saudi, like, I don't see that as the same as if like the Saudis came up to my door and was like, would you take hundred million dollars to, but I don't know. I'll, I'll leave you with the last word on that one, Noah. Yeah. Um, I feel like I've said most of what I wanted to say, yeah. but, and there's, you're, yeah, you're, it's definitely an interesting of, conversation and, and I do yeah, want to get to a lot of the other stuff too. It's got, it's, it's kind of more interesting. I, I think that, yeah, yeah, it, it, it could be it could be something you could honestly talk about for a long time and yeah. really never come to conclusion. And I think it's good that they've stopped really just kind of focusing everything on that in the Gulf room. So um okay. Uh we're still gonna be talking about money for a little bit, unless the source of it. So the next, you know, part we can we can talk about the massive sums after after this but just the fact that it's guaranteed money so right so if you play a different sport professionally like you know basketball or baseball or football or every other sport you sign a contract with your team you know and you have a deal for your contract is say you know three years or whatever and you're making this much money um that's never been how golf is structured you know it's it's prize money it's you basically make, um, you know, the money you make, at least on the course, there's obviously sponsors and things like that off the course in other ways, but the money you make on the course is directly tied to your performance. Um, this is a big part of live. It's what attracts the players. You can imagine why, uh, guaranteed contracts. So, um, Jaden, I will send it to you for this one. What is your thoughts on just now, the idea of guaranteed contracts in golf. I I see where it's coming from, and I see why why players want it, because obviously, especially some of these guys that are on live, they, like we said, they're on the tail end of their careers. They're not making as much money per year as they were in their prime. So I can see from their standpoint, you know, why they would want this guaranteed money. But at the same time, you look at other professional sports and, a lot of them as part of their contract, they have these, you know, these incentive based uh, pieces where if they perform a certain way, 
you know, they're getting paid more. So I, I don't, especially in an individual sport like golf, I don't like that, you know, just cause you go out and you play that you should be, you know, guaranteed a million dollars every tournament just for showing up. I think that, you know, your, your performance should have some sort of, some sort of a reflection on that. And if you're trying to, you know, make a living play playing professional golf, you've got to be good enough to do that. Noah J. I think that that that's a good that's a good point, and it's it's fun to watch tournaments, knowing that like there's a lot on the line for these guys to win a lot of money. But I think that that's still there in live, and they're really giving a lot of money to pay out. Like these the payouts to win tournaments are large sums of money, so there still is that really big incentive. But they're also adding a contract to the sport, which I think is great for the game of golf and athletes in general. I think that that just makes sense for sports that are this big and have the funding to do it, to give a contract and incentive to excel in the sport. I think that's a great system. Yeah. So there's a couple of things I would say like, yes, Noah, what you said, like there is still the monetary and it, you know, the monetary incentives in live, even if you signed a contract, However, which is really weird, but it, it kind of depends on each individual contract because some of the players, I don't, I don't think we know who, but we know at least some of the contracts that any like earnings from the tournament is actually just against, uh, what they signed for. So for example, like if I, if I signed for 150 million, like all of my prize money from the events it's just taken against that until you get to 150 million in prize money and go over it, then you're actually getting more. Now, not every contract is like that, but it has been confirmed that some of them do work like that. So that's a little bit less of, and then like, yeah, I, I like the idea of a guarantee. So for example, one of the new changes that's coming out for the PGA tour is if you are a rookie, actually, no, it's, it's everyone who has a card you are guaranteed now to make $500,000. Um, so, and, and rookies can have that all uh, in advance, but, and I think that's good. I think if you make it to the highest level of golf, it shouldn't like, you shouldn't have to be like struggling financially. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It should, you should be able to just focus on your golf. I think, um, I think it helps I think, the, uh, yeah, go for it. I think, well, I just wanted to, I think it helps the the guys that are like 150th in the world who are, you know, out there grinding them and their caddies are just grinding to stay afloat. Like that's, it's a lot harder for them to, to yeah. win. And I think that that would help even the playing field in some respects, the guys in the top 15, they don't, money is no issue. Like it, right. it's not, it's not holding them back at all. So, and which is another thing. So like live the guys that signed for the biggest guaranteed contracts, those are the guys that they're the ones that money doesn't matter, you know? So like, like a Brooks Kepka, right? It's not like Brooks Kepka doesn't have money. He's making plenty on the tour, but probably far more off, off the course, you know? So the guys that signed the biggest guaranteed contracts with live, those are the guys that uh, they probably weren't struggling financially, but anyway, back to the tour. Yeah, I, and I don't know 
you know, really how many full-time PGA tour members were struggling financially, but just knowing that you're automatically going to be making $500,000 to be that automatically, you're not going to be losing money for doing a full season on the PGA tour is a good thing. And the fact that it's 500,000, I mean, it 500,000 is nothing to scoff at, but it's also like, for example, I think, um, like the last place to make it into the FedEx cup, like around number 125. I think was still made made over a million for this past season. So to be making only 500,000 is um, not a great season. So um, just a little bit of context there. I, the idea of guaranteed money, I mean, like on the highest level, like I said, I think is good. I think some of the sums of guaranteed money, I think are a little, um, a little over the top. Do either of you have anything to add to that? I, I would say with what you were saying with the PGA tour and the 500,000, like to me, that, that sounds like a signing bonus, you know, on a, in, in, in another sport, when you sign a contract, you also have some sort of signing bonus with it. And it's, it's kind of like your baseline is what you're getting. And I think on top of that, it should just be, you know, performance based. Like I, I don't think these guys should be making, you know, a hundred times what they would make in a PGA tour season just for, for showing up. I think that their performance should have, something to do with it. And I'm going to throw one guy out there, Patrick Reed or not Patrick Reed, Pat Perez. Pat Perez. There we go. Like (laughs) this guy signs on live. He shows up, finishes freaking 31st out of 48 every week, or he could finish 48th out of 48 and he's still making 5 million bucks. Yeah. And I mean, how much of that was guaranteed? I don't know for sure what his contract he signed was. I mean, he's not like a big, big name, so I can't imagine it was something super crazy, but. I mean, to that point though, like how many, how many players in the NFL are doing the same thing or in the, you know, in the NBA are doing the same thing that are getting a lot of money to just not really do anything. Like it happens in every sport that has contracts. That's yeah. You say that. Just, and I just think it's just Chase Daniels. It's, just because it's new in golf. It's like, Hmm. That, that we're kind of thinking about it. But. And that might be what it is. It's, you know, you have this, this idea on what something is supposed to be. You have this, you know, I, words escaping me but like you have this uh whatever (laughs) but you know and once that changes like your opinion on it you're going to be upset for a little while like if you change like nick with our homecoming in high school like the moment that that was changed like there was some outrage right away and there was some backlash because it's something different than what you are used to and what you've grown up with where you know, as time goes on 20, 30 years from now, I don't think this discussion will be the discussion that we're having now. Mm -hmm. And I I think there's a reason that sports in general at the professional level have continued to do contracts for so many years. Like when did the NFL start to do contracts? I have no idea, but they still do it, you know, Uh, there's, yeah, there's one thing for them. I think there's, I think there's a reason, I think it works for sports and I, I think, I don't know. I think there's a reason it works for sports. Yeah. And I think, I mean, for team sports, I think it'd be a lot harder to just like, okay, for this game, like, did you play well enough to make this amount of money? Like for golf, it's very black and white. What did you shoot? You know, and then you get first place through, you know, whoever, whoever made the cut, you know, it's very black and white of like, did you play well enough to earn this check this week? I mean, in team sports, it's very different. It's hard to you can't really quantify that like game by game or week by week. It's just an entirely different. It's hard to compare golf to 
um, other team sports. I mean, Liv is now trying <laughs> with team golf, which is, we can get to that, but um, yeah, there, I, there's nothing really else I would add to, I mean, the, I, the idea itself doesn't necessarily turn me away. I think it's just the amount of guaranteed money that I think is maybe a little much. And, and do you think that that's another result of just it being in kind of an infant league right now? Do you think that'll, like, I imagine that will change in the future. I, like, I mean, I, I don't like... think, I don't think Bryson DeChambeau is worth like, you know, similar to like, you know, there, his, his contract is like, if you compared it to like other NFL contracts, it's like a pretty, a pretty good, like he'd be probably in the top. Like, I don't even want to know what percent, you know, and is Bryson DeChambeau bringing the same value as like a Kirk cousins or like a, like a high paid quarterback. Yeah. Like a Tua Tagovailoa. Yeah. Yeah. Like Tua is probably not quite there yet, but he will be, I bet. But you know, you know what I mean? Like just for the, for the viewership and following golf has, I just think that the totals that they have been offered and given, I think is just like, I don't think it matches. Yeah, it is. It is weird. I agree with that. And I just like, I, I still think it was just kind of a, like a marketing effort to, to get the league going. And yeah. I'm interested to see where they go with that. Which I think kind of goes to the point that like, it's like, oh, people are saying, oh, well, you know, like Liv has this money and just like let the market, you know, work out where the players go and everything. But I think it's hard to compare it with like a real open market when you can't really say that the, like the Saudis are like a rational actor. Like they basically have a bottomless pit of money. Like that's not really how the market works. And so that's another kind of weird. And I don't know if it's concerning, but just I don't think. Like, I don't think throwing $200 million at any specific golfer, like, means anything to them. Like, $200 million is basically nothing. It's hard to even comprehend the wealth that the Saudis do have, which is kind of an interesting – and it's it's why we are where we are, actually. Um, so, okay, I'm going to go to this question. Um, so there's been talk, like, in regards to the money. Do you think – PGA tour pros were undercompensated um, or have been undercompensated. Are you saying something? I, think, I can't hear you. No, I'm not saying anything. I was saying who wanted to. Oh, I, yeah, I, Noah, you I can think take that. It. Uh, I think that they work really hard for their money. And honestly, I'm probably not the best person to talk about this, but it seems like they put in a lot of effort and every dollar they earn is really well earned as when you compare it to other sports. Right. Um, and it's, I don't know how like you can make a baseline for what they're worth. That's an interesting topic, but I think that in today's like sports environment, they probably should be making more money. What do you think, Jaden? Um, just looking at the money list from 2022, uh, Scotty Scheffler was the top of the money list with $14 million. And looking at Bryson's contract, and we're talking about, you know, how lucrative these deals are with, with Liv. Bryson's contract is for $27 million a year. So in a year, Scotty Scheffler earning his money, you know, not with this, with this contract made, you know, just about half of what Bryson made. And, you know, I think, 
I don't think $14 million is really, you know, that much underpaid. Like, yeah, compared yeah. to their expenses every year, like, what does it maybe cost per tournament uh, to play? Like, tops 50 grand if you include like caddy fee and if you don't win the tournament and stuff like that. Like, if you're a, a guy who misses the cut, like, what is, what are you out for that weekend? So, like, I don't think $14 million is, you know, that's anything that's that low. Are they maybe slightly underpaid? Yeah, but, you know, how, how high do you want to go? If you're the leading moneyless guy, how much do you think you should be making $100 for, you know, 50 tournaments? Yeah. Um, or $100 million for 50 tournaments, not $100. Right. Um, so it's just, like, trying to wrap your head around it and compare it to, like, the world of sports because – um, well, I, th- I saw a tweet recently that like, so while Rory and Scotty were going like back and forth at the FedEx cup that like, if Scotty ended up winning the FedEx cup, he would have made like, I guess I'm not going to say it because I can't remember the number exactly, but it was just like Probably basic, basically, mid-20s. basically similar. I th- it was higher than that. The number I saw. Well, so I don't know. I don't know if it included. I don't know if it included like the pip or other stuff, but it was like similar to top three NFL quarterback. Like, so, and Scotty was the best player in the world this year, but do you think the best player in golf, you know, is should be getting paid like a Patrick Mahomes, you know, like I, I don't think, and, and Scotty was, you know, he had the chance to make something like that this year. And then another point is like, Will Zalatoris was interviewed recently. And before he had even won on tour, he's been relevant for like maybe two years. Before he had won on tour, he had made $10 million in just prize winnings. So he said, he was like talking to people. He's like, guys, I haven't even won an event on the PGA tour and I've made $10 million. I don't, I mean, I don't think that's under, under paid. I mean, what did Willie Z had one win this year, right? Yeah. And he made $9.4 million this year. Rory made 8.6. That doesn't seem right. Cause he won the tour championship. No. Yeah. There's, I mean, he made 8. like, 6. he, he made 18 million at the tour championship. Yeah. So I don't know if this is excluding the tour championship payouts or what it is, but which it could, because then Scotty would have yeah, another, four, another yeah. like six or something. So, so, you know, it's just, that's not, that little of money and on average you know they're probably playing 15 events they play eh, 20 i would say yeah they're they're probably well depends like total or i bet they're maybe like 20 or a few more than that so a year 20 events and someone like cam smith and this is excluding fedex cup i guess 10 million dollars you're making you know what is that half a mil a half a mil a tournament yeah, that's not a, like how many of these are miscuts? And if you have like a tiger season where you know you'll win every single well, event no. you look at, how yeah, much- I mean, that's not going to happen, right? No, I mean, it's definitely not going to happen, but yeah, and then just like for, for like in one of the in the uh, I think TRO lawsuit that tried to get um, you know, Taylor Gooch and Hudson Swafford and one other to be able to play in the FedEx cup playoffs. Like their lawyer mentioned, like referred to them as these poor kids 
you know, like, it's like, okay, that just doesn't come off. That comes off rather tone deaf to be referring to pretty well off PGA tour pros now live players as like these poor kids. Like, yeah, go fly your private jet around. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, Noah, I'll give you, I'll leave you with the last thought on. Yeah. My, my like general thought on it, just how much athletes should be paid. Uh, it's hard I to think, say, right? Because yeah, it's, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to like, you can't really quantify it. Right. But I think that, that the best way to kind of to generalize it is to look at the league and see how much the league brings in with fan revenue. Like how much, how much money are they getting from people that are getting entertained by it? Watch that. Watch it. How much TV revenue are they getting? How much ticket sales are they getting? That should kind of be your basis. Like if you could just say a percentage of that will be paid to the players. That'd be great. I think that it's kind of in all sports in general, that's, that's kind of my take. And I think that's a good way to do it. I think like the value, the value of how much they should be paid should reflect how much entertainment they provide to the just people that watch it. I, I, that just kind of makes sense to me. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know how else I would determine their, it's not, they're not like their worth, but determine how much to pay them. Yeah. They could be worth a lot more than that. They could be worth a lot less than that, but that just makes sense on how much they should be getting. There actually is. Like um, when, when I look at like, when I look at like the, uh, you know, the WNBA versus NBA, like sure the the WNBA players are putting in the same amount of effort and they should be getting the money because they're great athletes too, but that league isn't getting the amount of money the uh, how much money the NBA league is getting. So it doesn't make sense to, to give them the same quanti- quantity of money because right. it, it, it just doesn't work like that, you know? Yeah. So for example, this is also another point I wanted to make. So of the, the top five athletes of all or top five highest paid athletes of all time, um, I guess even top four, three of them are golfers. And so number one is Michael Jordan. Two is Tiger. Three is Arnold Palmer. Four is Jack Nicholas, And five, Cristiano Ronaldo. Highest paid athletes all time. And I just, like, I don't think golf has the same following as like football or basketball. And by football, I mean not American football, but also American football, you know? Um, so for three golfers to be represented on the top five, top four highest paid athletes of all time, like yeah. I, you know, that makes me that's really shocking, doubt but that golfers yeah. are undercompensated. That's that that is kind of shocking to me, but I think that just points to the the payout discrepancy in golf. I I think that in a in a sport that's not run by contract, it just makes sense that some the good players are gonna be making a lot more. Than the guys that are 150, 200 on the list. You know, there's even if the league doesn't have as much money, it's just going to work out for the guys that win a lot are going to be getting so much more than the guys that don't win as much. Yeah, and I mean, you know, and obviously it's not like the prize funds when Arnold Palmer and um, you know, even less when Arnold was in his prime, but also Jack. It's not like those prize funds were over. I mean, you know, 99 percent of that is sponsor money. And I think that says something about like. 
how golfers are viewed. I think they're, they're maybe viewed as like, I don't know, maybe more marketable than some other sports. Um, and more like a common man, maybe because a lot of people actually play golf. So maybe they're just easier, you know, marketed and things like that. But I thought that was really interesting that three of the top four, um, were golfers, but I will move on unless you guys, either of you have, um, anything else to, to throw out there. I mean, that's, um, I think that's sort of it for the financial stuff that I wanted to talk about. But there's uh, there's maybe some more, but anyway, not right now. So one thing that I'm just going to say is a lot of like the people that are fans of live or now the players, um, a lot of the stuff that they're coming up, like describing their or, like what it's been like playing for live or, you know, the, the big live fans that have gone to these events or like, you know, some of the social media accounts that are proponents of live. It just seems like um, some of their testimony is just not um, doesn't come across as authentic. The word I've used is propaganda. I don't know if that's strong, but um, it just doesn't doesn't feel authentic. So, for example, like Joaquin Neiman says, you know, after his first event, this is the greatest golf atmosphere. This is the greatest atmosphere I've ever played golf in. Right. He was paired with Tiger at the Masters this year. He won Tiger's event at Riviera earlier this year. So to have him, you know, sign with Liv and then say, this is the best environment I've ever, I, like it comes across very slimy and uh, not genuine. And it just seems like there's a lot of that propaganda type stuff with just saying how great the events are, how great everything is. And, um, to me, it doesn't come across genuine. Now, am I too cynical? Um, I'll have uh, Jaden. You know, am I, am I being too cynical here? I I don't think so because from from the onset of live and when you have or had the first wave of guys go over, I mean, one of the big discussions right away was just how you know how robotic some of the interview answers sounded. Like they'd ask him, like, you know, why are why are you going over to live? Like, what's are you going for the money? And everyone would be like, Nope, Nope. It's not for the money, which most obviously it is. I mean, I honestly could probably say if somebody came and offered me $200 million to play golf, like, yeah, I'm probably going to take that $200 million. I don't care where it's coming from, but you know, all their answers just seem to sound like, you know, grow the game. Like we want to grow the game. We want to grow the game. How, but how does separating you know, some of the top players and most well-known players from the main golf league help grow the game. So, you know, just from the onset, I, I don't think you're being too cynical. I think, you know, from the very first interview we heard, it's, you've heard this, this propaganda, as you would call it, that's, you know, playing this up to be something that it's, it's really not. And I mean, who's the, who's the guy that said it's better than, or probably better than the Ryder cup or said like, this is what the, yes, yes. I was, I was going to talk about that too. Yeah. Taylor Gooch. I, after his, after the second event, Portland, like, um, man, you know, he says, he says, man, I've never, I've never played in a Ryder cup, but I'm sure this is close. You know, like yeah, those, in a those sorts cup, of comments in front of 250 people. Yeah. Yeah. It, I just can't, I just can't. So it, so those sort of statements that everyone knows is just not true. There's some that maybe some people like genuinely believe, you know, this is good about live or this isn't, but 
the ones that kind of everyone knows it's like okay you know he's just like it, it seems like they're trying to force feed it when when it rather than just letting the product speak for itself all right noah let's hear it i had no idea about that Ryder cuff comment it's actually kind of funny but what <laughs> i mean coming from a guy who's never been to the Ryder cup so to to be fair like i think if he had if he had been to one he would have never said anything like that it was insane i went to hazel team it was insane <laughs> it's pretty funny but uh i think that a lot of people are drawn to live not only for the money obviously it's a big big part but um it's just a lot less golf and a lot less like worrying about this or that or making cuts i think there's a lot of other incentives and I think that if you are in an interview situation, you are just going to kind of give the positives. You're going to give all the positives that are on your mind. And you're not going to, if you have, if you have the chance, you're going to give all the, the good things to say for the media. Um, I think some people sure have been probably dishonest about like they did go over the money. So yeah, just, just tell, tell us you did. Cause we know you did, but I think there's a lot of other valid reasons and, it just like that's how an interview would go. They they would they would say, yeah, like it's uh, less golf. It, it's just such a good system for me. And then uh, what was the other point that would you say at the beginning, Nick? Um, well, I mean, you. I don't know if you unplugged your headset, but were you able to hear what I said when you got up? I was just Maybe. talking. I, I was just talking about how it seemed like a lot of the stuff that's being said is just like, it just oh yeah, yeah. seems yeah, like but, propaganda. The Joaquin Neiman yeah, thing, it seems like they're they're kind of like saying what they're what they're being told to say. I wonder if when they say like the atmosphere of the event, if they're if they're talking about like how they're treated as players. And it seems to me when I watch these events that they are treated really well by like the 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 people that run the events and the workers for the golf and they probably have a lot of money to treat these guys well at these events right. so i wonder if when they're talking about the atmosphere like yeah you can't be playing with tiger at augusta obviously from a playing standpoint like that's unbelievable but i think there's a lot of other atmosphere things that they have to offer at live I bet they're all treated really well, except for Bryson when he gets decapitated by a spectator rope. <laughs> um, yeah, I, th- I kind of had another thought, but I'm, I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure any anything much else needs to be said. It's just like to me, all that all this stuff, like you know, really, really hyping it up, and it's not just hyping it up. It's like, you know, it's like like we mentioned, it's not just a player saying, "Oh yeah, like I, I really enjoyed it." It's like over the top like geez i i just and i just don't believe like i don't believe they believe what they're saying sometimes but um it is what it is i guess if you're trying to really get a product off the ground i i you know um, i don't know if you're trying to wrap this up nick but i did just find another quote and it was from the the commentators it's uh Arlo White and Jerry Foltz. Oh, they are terrible. And, uh, dude. One of their comments during one of the events, it looks like it was. They are so. Uh, it doesn't bad. say which event it is, but uh, they're talking about, you know, the atmosphere. And one of them says, you're right. It has such a USA against Ryder Cup feel to it. 
Uh, that was Arlo White. And then Fultz said, the players will tell you the same thing. We get ridiculed for saying such a thing, but they will tell you it's a great atmosphere and it's got that feel. And right, to which here, David Faraday replies, yeah, and it's the early days. Here's what I, what I think they really are pointing to that is um, I think these players have not had much team competition golf like in the in their professional yeah, golf career. Right? How many Ryder Cups so, has David Faraday been to? You know, to hear that from so, David Faraday yeah. is like. So, so yeah, that's that's a little like, come on, buddy. Like you know, the Ryder Cup is more special than Live Golf Boston, right? But the sums that they're paying out as bonus money for these team spots are pretty incredible, and you can tell that these players when their team wins, they're pretty ecstatic about it. Like it's a pretty electric scene when they win. Not to say that this is on the same tour as Ryder Cup, but. I think they're just really highlighting that this team contest really brings a lot to the event. And it might be the reason live golf has really found its footing so far. Yeah. I think that's something we can echo and come back to when we talk about, you know, the yeah. Team do you, do you want to just get into that now or, or should we? Yeah. Should we... Let's, let's, yeah. no, let's jump into it. I think it's, I think it's a big reason why the okay. league started. And I think it's why the league will continue to grow. Here's something. So yes, for me, th- that's one of the few things like when I see live golf and I, I hear some of the players talk about like, okay, well, you know, it gives more meaning to like every shot, because even if you're out of the tournament individually, like it could still matter for your team that I actually believe because that's exactly what college golf was like. And, and that's a team aspect that you don't always get in golf. And that I, I think is, maybe the only positive honestly that I see. Um, but yes, I, I do really like the team, like trying to do something with a team aspect. I think that could be really interesting. And then like, if somehow, you know, you could, it would become like other sports where like you could have like blockbuster trades, like from one team to another. And like, you know, there's, that's literally from my perspective, I think that's the only thing that has some sort of potential. I, I agree. I love, I actually really love the team aspect. Like you said, with high school and college, like, like that's what we played in. And like, even if you were having a bad day, like you still want to shoot the best score to try and help the team possibly, uh, possibly win. And, you know, kind of going back to the guaranteed money and we talked about other team sports. I think this is something that could run where, you know, you could get some sponsors in here. You could get, I mean, I don't know. I'm just going to use FedEx because I feel like that's one I've heard, but like you get FedEx to come in and sponsor a team. Like they could be the FedEx four aces and you know, then all that money for that team's coming out of FedEx and all the other partners that are involved. And, you know, like you could have these trades or if you have one guy that's not showing up and helping the team, like he's going to get cut. And you know, it kind of adds that team aspect to it where like, if you want your guaranteed money, then you got to play well enough to still earn a spot on that team to get that money. Yeah. And then like, you know, guys either say like coming, like I'm not even doing like a specifically live, like, but like say if there's guys coming out of college golf or even like, you know, lower tours, like a corn ferry, if there was like a team part of golf, you know, then there could be some sort of draft like each year, like any team that cut someone, they can draft someone or um, so, I mean, yeah, I think that's, 
I think the team is definitely something that could take. And, off. and what I wish is like, if somehow, you know, the PGA tour would have come up with it and it's like, don't get rid of the individual part. Like say like the core of the golf season, like the summer, the huge events in like the summer, the spring through the summer, still just keep it as it was. But then if there was like a fall series or like fall through winter or like something where there's like, I mean, then you're, you're going up against football. So that's, but like, if, if there was like some sort of team, I think that could be really interesting because I think guys that play college golf really love it. And, you know, you, you don't have to change from the, you know, the team or the individual atmosphere. Like you can still play a team tournament and have it be individual at the same time. Right. Yeah. Like these guys could show up to the players and try and win the players for themselves, but also still, you know, as a team, mm-hmm. try and take home that win. Yeah. It's, it's such a simple addition and it does seem crazy to think that like professional golf hasn't seen much as we, obviously we've been talking about the Ryder cup, Ryder president's cup. Um, they do have some team events and they're so electric because of that. It's such a fun thing to watch like professional yeah. golfers. There, I, think, for other golfers. I think there are think a lot thing, of other aspects that make it electric, but yeah. Well, even so look like, at the Zurich, like the Zurich is for how terrible the tournament itself is. Like it's one of the most fun, ter- most fun tournaments to watch. Cause I would you know, disagree with that. I, you the can't team atmosphere. It. I love the Zurich. I like, I I like I the uh, Zurich. I like the father son one too. I mean, it's oh, yeah. a team, you know, like two man teams. Yeah. That's a Tiger super and Charlie fun tournament to watch. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Were you mid sentence there, little Noah? Did, did you have something else <laughs> to add? Come on. I just, I, I just love the teams. I really think that they need to like put more effort into them. I think the names right now suck. They're so dumb. Names are terrible. Like, well, just, it I've, seems like I've they heard team names, right? It I've seems like they needed team, team names like a week before, and they just made them. Yeah, yeah. The the team it seemed like generically created by like a computer game or something. Yeah. But well, and I, I wish they I've have heard like, they're rebranding everything next year. Do they even so, have like team kits? Like, do so, all the players just wear whatever they want, or do like the they wear they wear like whatever match? they want? Yeah. Like, well, at they, least make the teams match. No, no, they, they they do to some level. They do. They wear like. There's logos. Their team, There's or they logos. have the logo on their polo. Yep. But they're not yeah. like they're not like decked out in the same clothes. I think um the the branding will be great. I, I actually I follow Bubba on uh Instagram and he's been oh, talking gosh. about he's been I used to like Bubba man. That's the <laughs> propaganda a, stuff, dude. Guy. His his oh anyway, continue. But, yeah. <laughs> but he's been like talking about being in the works um of creating like a team brand and a new team name. So I think it'll be cool to see the golfers on the teams kind of come up with with brand team brands, and I don't really know how they will or what what they'll do. But and I think the, that something that, that could be really really cool. But I don't know if this is practical at all. But, but I know that like in racing, they have teams based on what car you drive. Yeah, it like I was really. It would be really, really cool to have like team Titleists, team TaylorMade. Yes, you could really buy yeah. into a team because like. You, you wouldn't get it. You wouldn't clubs, get enough right? teams. Yeah, you even, wouldn't get enough exactly. teams. Even exactly. if it's not the major brands, like you could even go like the lower level club brands that want to sell clubs. You know, like you go like a Cleveland Golf. You go. I, I mean, don't even apparel. Those. Like you could do a lot of stuff with this. Yeah, and that's one thing is like some of the teams right now seem totally arbitrary. Like I get there's one like there's an Australian team. There's another team like 
you know, like the, the majestics, the majestic, the majestics, yeah, yeah. How, however, he, however that's pronounced. I mean, that's sort of like an English team kind of, even though Henrik yep. Stenson's on it. Yeah. Um, I, but yeah. like, it's like, like what's the four aces. They just took like three of the best golfers plus Pat Perez. Like what, Yeah. how, like how now this is from someone and, who's not into live golf is like, how am I supposed to care that the live, that the four aces keep winning? It, yeah. It's, I mean, you, you kind of, you start to buy in when you start watching, uh, you start to pick a team based on, you know, just golfers you like with anything you, you're going to end up having a, your favorite. Um, but I, I think that it might be a good thing that they have just arbitrary names. It could lead to some really cool creativity. Like I'm sure they knew these names weren't going to stick. I have to imagine, right? I, I would hope they're so. awful. That they're, they're terrible. <laughs> they're going to change them. The sponsorship opportunities imagine. are unreal here. The right? Oh yeah. So, so if, I, I think if sponsors I, want to get involved, that's, I still... think they're just placeholders and I'm happy that they're placeholders because, because it'll be cool to see what they do in the future. But to that point, I think that like golf in general is missing out on like when you go to the store, you can buy, you can buy like Tiger Woods stuff, I guess. Right. You can buy like Jack Nicholas stuff. You can buy, Gary player like you can get some some of the big names in golf stuff but if you go to like the football section you have so many of these teams that you can buy merch for and it's so much easier to buy into a team because that team will always be that team it just will get new players and it's cool to see like new people come to your team and old greats leave your team like that whole atmosphere of sports is really fun to like be a part of and when it's when it's one person, it's like you can't really be on Tiger Woods' team because that is Tiger Woods. Like he is a person, but you can be a, a fan of the Minnesota Vikings because the Vikings are more than just like a couple people. It's it's like here's the thing. T- it's you know yes, and I and I love team sports for so much of what you said, but here's like golf is inherently not a team sport. That's the thing. Like. He, don't want to try to force it where it's not because like in football, right? You have the quarterback, but he's got people blocking for him. He's got to hand it to someone. He's got to throw it to someone. Like they actually work together as a team. So even if like in golf, it's like it was one of the things that um, probably my least favorite part of college golf is because I'd be hanging out with you guys, right. The whole time. And, you know, we are going on these trips together and then it's like, you're, you're warming up together and then you go out to play and then it's like, you don't see anyone for five hours. It's because it's because golf is inherently not a team sport unless you're doing some sort of like alternate shot match play. We need more scramble tournaments is what I what I'm hearing. Then you need specialists on each. You need a driving specialist. You need an iron specialist, a putting specialist. Like imagine building these teams for a scramble tournament in like just, you know, once a month, they just have this random scramble. And so it's like, well, who are they going to pick up? Because, well, let's say the four aces, Dustin Johnson, he hurt his back falling down the stairs again. Who are they going to pick up to be their driver guy? Like, Pat Perez is old and fat. He's not going to bomb it out there 330. Who are they going to get? Are they going to somehow try and make a trade for Bryson, get him in there? The thing, Yeah, the thing is, is like, that just pushes it more towards like the not competitive golf, which is one of the big like... I think a scramble could be competitive. It's just like... And one of the big, we'll get into it, but one of the big, uh, you know, debates right now is world ranking points. It's like, if they're doing freaking scrambles, you're not getting any world ranking points. Well, you don't have to give them world ranking points for that, but it'd be fun to watch. What do you think? Would it though? I wouldn't watch that. What do you think the four aces? So the roster that I just saw, I don't know if it's the updated one, but Dustin Johnson, 
Patrick Reed, Taylor Gooch, Pat Perez. What do you think those four shoot in a four-man scramble at, say, Augusta National? Probably like 18 under. I don't know. I mean, like that'd be just I mean, fun they're, to watch. they're pros, right? I mean, yeah. You have to imagine they're going see, I just, 18, like, 20 see, under. See, like, I just disagree. I wouldn't watch that. Like, I just, I'm not interested. Like, you can get, obviously, the courses are different, but like, you can get a group of amateurs that go out and shoot 18 under in a scramble. Well, but I mean, like, one of them holds out for Eagle, and then all the other teams, they're expecting to make 18 birdies. And then they're like, well, crap. These guys just hold out. Now we got to do something. And it's, it makes it kind of fun. Like, are these guys going to nail a shot here? Are they going to pull the Max Homa chip in? And <laughs> is something great? Like, is this team going to miss a four footer? No one's like, going to miss a four footer to scramble. Come dude, on, you no. never know. All right. Um, anything else on team golf, Noah? Um, I, just uh, the last one we kind of talked about briefly, but. Um, I remember I was just watching the golf Boston last week and they were kind of showing with DJ and Cam Smith coming down the final stretch and they pan over to, I can't remember who it was. I think it was Neiman and he was one of the teams like on the bubble to get either to third place or first place. I can't remember, but he stinks like a 18, 20 footer and he's like, way down the leaderboard, maybe in like 15th, 16th place, it just lets out a huge fist bump on the 17th hole to make birdie to get their team up to like third place. The 17th it, hole or his 17th his, hole? His, it was his 17th hole. So let me so what was his that, last like hole. Eight, he three, wasn't, four? yeah, whatever. <laughs> he was probably like 16, you know, like, who knows? But, but There's probably no one on that part of the course. No, literally, no no fans, you know, whatever. But it's it's fun to see like a lot more shots that count like that is really it's really fun to watch see i i don't i didn't see it on our list so i don't know if we were going to bring it up but the whole shotgun start part of it oh yeah we I should talk it. about that we can it. we can talk about that right now actually i i hate it because like i hate I just, it too. I, I brought up max homa and uh danny willett like imagine if that happens in a live golf tournament and max homa has to make this chip to make birdie to post a number and he's on the 18th green and he makes the chip and then Across the entire flipping course on hole three, Danny Willett's got four feet to close it out in three putts. And it's like, wow, great. Like, yeah. who cares? So, so, yeah. So for that, I mean, they both were in the final group. So you can say, oh, it wouldn't have mattered. But like, imagine like, for example, like the 2015 players, like when Ricky had that crazy finish to win. Like he was, I think he was like seven groups from the final group. So like if, I mean, shotgun starts, I just... Like th- that sort of run through the iconic part of the golf course is just not there. You know, I it, golf courses obviously were designed to, there's a certain cadence to it. Uh, and, you know, like, I don't know. I, d- I don't think like if you're purporting to be golf at the highest level, I just don't think a shotgun is that. I, I mean, I think, I think it accomplishes what it tries to is just like sort of chaos and like golf shots going on all the time and a smaller broadcast window. But I, I just like, I don't, I don't like, like I said, you're purporting to be golf at the highest level and it's a shotgun start. I just don't like it. Play, playing the course in a different order than what it was intended. That's, I think that's a very valid point. Like to your, to what you said about the courses were designed to be played one to 18 and to experience the tee shot on one, whatever progressive course, especially when you look at like P die courses with, a lot of his finishing stretches 
Um, It's cool to see it come down to the wire. But when you think about players coming from behind and winning, would you rather have a player come from behind and win an hour before the last group, or would you rather have it happen at the same time, just on a different hole? You know, like hour before the last group. I love that. I absolutely love that. Like if someone comes from way behind and posts a score like an hour and a half before I, I mean, maybe that's not your, I, I think that's super cool. And they just wait around to see if it stands like, that's my favorite thing. Like I think right, that's so right, that's cool. Fair. If someone that's goes fair. out and posts like a 62 early and they just got to wait, just I think that's and think, I think, that's like, uh, think of, was it the PGA that Mito choked? Yeah. Like think of the PGA where, I mean, if everyone's playing at the same time, that doesn't probably mean as much as it really did in the moment. Cause it's like, this guy's got a what two shot true. lead going into the 18th and yeah. all he's got to do is make bogey. And then he, takes the ugliest swing where it looks like he got electrocuted and shanks it in the water. And then he just makes a mess of the hole. Like, mm-hmm. and they do, they do set up these events where, you know, on the final day or whatever, the top three players are playing in the final group. The next three are playing on the same hole, right? but just, just say before him. So it really is very rare that, that that would actually happen where a winner is not at, at least not on the same hole. You're getting the six, top scores for the third day it nearly happened it nearly happened in boston though lee westwood had a legitimate chance to shoot a 59 and i think he ended up bogeying his last hole but he finished on two or three and it's just like i just that's just tough that's just but how much but how much of that is like when you play scrambles i mean we played we played some in in college golf but we play and most of our most most of our events were shotguns. I mean, the big ones, I guess. Shotguns. The big events yeah. were shotguns because you just big you'd be key, there all day. Key times. The big events were, were the big times. events. I mean, like when there was like thirty some teams. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Like, yep, yep. Like you know, because you, you have to. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yep. But like, but like our conference events, they were all right. They were all right. Teams. But, um, I think that a lot of like when you think about a shotgun start, you immediately, your mind immediately goes to a big scramble tournament. At least my mind does. And I think that that's just like what you imagine, like, Oh, shotgun start, scramble tournament. It's just a fun, it's like a fundraiser. This isn't really a, a golf tournament. I think a lot of it is just what we expect professional golf to be because we're, we're used to it, it, it being in the PGA tour one through 18 T times. So I wonder how much of that will go away. This is something that I could see like, down the road being like, Oh, it's still kind of weird that they're starting on different holes, but I could see it to where you just kind of like get used to it. Well, I mean, I think we would be as used to it as anyone because we played a whole bunch of it in high school and college. Like if anyone should be used yeah. to, uh, yeah, but we don't watch professionals. Stars. We don't watch professionals play shotguns. I think well, there's a reason for that. What, what if you even wave it? Like how we used to do waves in high school, Nick, for st- uh, the state tournament. Like you send the top three teams off in one wave and they tee off and then the next three teams behind them. And then on the other side, the other teams are all going. I mean, like, I don't know if I just like so that. that. They're all, they're all together, but like, yeah, this, I mean, it's, I mean, it's, it's, a viewership, it's, yeah. it's a viewership oriented, oriented league. And I think it works great for the product Honestly. that they're put, trying to put on television. I, they're, can, they're trying to make we it can discuss days, that i discuss yeah i disagree trying to make it simple that's, you know that's that's why this is they want a viewer friendly event 
Yeah, I honestly honest, think that's sit. less viewer friendly. Like when there's so many golf shots going on and it's all over the place, I actually think that's, I think that's yep. a worse product. But I see where Noah's coming from. Like a lot of, a lot of viewers don't want to sit and watch an entire final round of a golf tournament for six hours. Well, here's and it's question, not like, Nick. well, here's, here's, okay, here, here's one thing. Yeah. Noah, you said the broadcast, like, oh yeah, five hour broadcast, you know, it's just all the golf, but like a normal final round of any event, like it's not like they're showing all the early guys. Like the broadcast window is the same. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, but so you're so just seeing so the important part. Yeah. So here's my question is on any given PGA Tour event, how much are you watching of the Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday? How much do you watch? To be oh, quite honest, if I didn't round. if I didn't have work and things like that and I wasn't like busy, like I honestly like watching like the PGA Tour live coverage sometimes. Um, if there's certain players that I like that are in the like feature groups and things like that, if I didn't have like other things going on, like I, I like watching on Saturdays and Sundays. Um, I mean, how many normal PGA tour events am I going to like move plans around for to watch? Maybe the majors, yeah, like, yeah, excluding majors, like majors are a different, you know, different breed. If, if I, if I'm at home, like I would watch like, you know, and the, and the TV was on, like I I'd watch, I'd be watching the golf. Like there's nothing else. I'd like, I watch a lot of golf is basically what I'm, what I'm getting at. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I don't like sit at home and watch full third and fourth round coverage every weekend. Sure. Yeah. I watch and, a decent amount you, of golf. you, you are a golf consumer just in general. You just like, you know, but I think your average, just your average dude who's in the suburbs is really only watching Sunday. And if not, Sunday, well, maybe only like the back nine on Sunday or the closing stretch on Sunday. Right. There's not a lot of the four day event that consumers actually consume. And from, from a lot of these events, I enjoyed watching. I honestly, for some reason, I don't really get into the first day as much, but I love watching day two and day three to kind of see what, what's happening. And, but I, I had this event, I watched all three days. It's just, was really easy to fit in. I didn't, I didn't watch the full broadcast, but I watched maybe two or three hours of it all three days. Well, easy helps. to fit in my schedule. And it helps that- tell the story. Like when you're watching the final round on Sunday, like most oftentimes you want to know, like, how'd we get here? Like, I don't want to just turn it on on Sunday and be like, Oh, Rory's got a five shot lead on Sunday. Like, great. Now I'm just going to watch from here. Like, how did Rory get a five shot lead? Like people, some people care about that. And it's, it's very hard to watch. You know, if he's morning wave on Thursday, afternoon wave on Friday, like it's very hard to catch his round both days and then watch Saturday and Sunday. Like it, it gets to be a lot of golf if you actually like actually care. And when you know, like when the Masters comes around, you block out four days because you're going to be watching golf all day for four oh, that's days. Movie day in school. You know, exactly. You, you don't do anything. You just watch golf. You literally, you literally do nothing else. It's like. Well, all the other tour events are the same amount of time. So what if you did that for every event? You'd have no life. You'd just be watching. That'd be a lot of movie days. I don't know if I'd have. It'd be pretty sick, but. I mean, yeah, I don't know exactly what you're getting at there. Like, obviously, some tournaments aren't as important as others. I'm not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here are my two points to kind of summarize it. One, I think that it invites you. it, It it makes golf more watchable in a sense that you're more inclined to tune in to more of it rather than just watching the last part on Sunday. 
And then my other point is, if you are going to watch all of it, the diehard golf fans, it's less time consuming. So it's easier to consume the entire event rather than consuming an entire PGA Tour event. Those are my two points. So the shotgun. I mean, I, I think kind of what we talked about in terms of like time spent, I think a lot of that is just based on how important the event is. And like, in my mind, we can, I don't know if we want to get to this now or save it, but like live events, like literally mean nothing to me. So that's why I'm not going to watch them. You know, because like what, I mean, what's the worst event on the PGA tour, like the Sanderson farm. John Deere classic. Yeah. I mean, like I would actually watch that to see who wins and actually kind of care because it's a PGA tour event and that has context in my mind, but like a live event, like, I don't know if we want to get into that part right now, but sure. yeah, we might, we yeah, might as not? well, might as well. So like, there's some, I don't know if it's just because I'm a hardcore golf fan and like sort of the hardcore golf fan versus maybe like an average, like Joe, like maybe, but I mean, live it, it literally means nothing to me. Like it, it's like, okay, like Cam Smith won. I, I have no idea how to measure that. But like, even if it's not as good of a field, like if someone wins a PGA Tour event, like an average John, yeah. Um, <laughs> if someone wins a PGA Tour event, I can contextualize that. Say like, I know what they've done to, you know, like to get to the PGA Tour, to have a card and to win an event on tour, even if it's not one of the premier events that all has context in my mind and it means something, but live really just feels like an exhibition to me for a lot of money. And so then I feel like it just doesn't mean anything from a competitive standpoint. I don't know which one take, of you, you can take this Noah. Cause I, I really don't have a lot to say on this. Um, I guess the one thing I can really say is like Nick said, like, I don't, I don't watch a whole lot of live. I think to this point so far, I've watched a total of like, five holes of live golf just because I was scrolling through YouTube one day sitting at home and I was like, Oh, it's on. I'll check it out. And like, but that's it. So I don't really know, like, you know, a whole lot about it. No, like you said, how to, how to take that context with it. I, I think that you, you care about the events that you watch. So a big portion of you just, who cares that, you know, Cam Smith won last week is, you didn't see anything happen. So I wonder if you would have watched it, if you, if you would have had a different uh, perspective on it. I think that. I just like Live really Ball, quick. I honestly think it's the opposite of that is because like, because the event doesn't mean anything is like why I didn't watch, but anyway, continue. But like, the, if you didn't watch the John Deere classic at all, would you care who won it? I did. I didn't. I, di- I didn't watch any of the John Deere Classic this year. I don't think. And I know JT Poston won. And I honestly do care about that. Yes. Like, like, <laughs> I, right. that, that's huge. Right. Like JT Poston, like fair. sort of like, you know, he's uh he's not a very well known player, but I think it's his second win on the PGA Tour, and like, you know, he's playing pretty well. Like he's not a crazy talented guy, but he gets the mm-hmm. most out of it. Honestly, yes. To answer your question, yes. <laughs> well, Ed, to echo that, like last year's Wyndham championship. Like I didn't watch a single hole of the Wyndham championship until the 17th. Cause I saw Kisner was in, tension, uh, in contention. 
So I was like, oh, I'm going to watch the end of this and see if he wins. And then I just watched like a nine man playoff, which was like the craziest thing ever. That was pretty sick. That was pretty sick. I wonder if it lib just needs more history. I want, like, you know, you were saying, you know what a PGA Tour event is because you've seen so many. You've grown up watching these events. Like, you know, you know, a lot of these players, you know, you've seen the the process, whatever, from a guy to get on tour to win an event. And I think that it's just so foreign right now. Just live golf in general. It doesn't have that history, at least in your, in your, in your mind. And I, I wonder if it's all that or if it's well something else that's contributing to, there's, you know, there's okay. one and, thing. And it's not like you need to care about it, you know? Yeah. And, and like you said, like about me knowing the players, even if I don't know who a player is, like, for example, there's, there's a whole bunch of new rookies now. Cause a new, like year, new season just started. It's like, even if I don't know who it is, like I probably should because them having a PGA tour card means something to me, you know, but like some, some of the guys on live, it's like them just being on live doesn't mean something. Like Jediah, but, like Jediah sure, Morgan, sure. he's abysmal. He's horrible, but, but he's so he's playing so, in every so, live event. You know, so why, so like, how did he get on live? How, why is he on live tour? Like, well, I have no get... idea. That's a great question. I have Ooh, no there has idea. to be a reason, right? Jediah Morgan. No, he's you know, terrible. Like, bro. Oh, I almost <laughs> just ruined the explicit for the episode. Who is that? He's some guy on live who shoots like seven over every week. And so like, and Noah was saying, so like, yeah, you're used to the PGA tour and like, you know, the names and it's like, yeah, there's something to that. But also if I don't know the names, then I learn the names because they're on the PGA tour. And if they're like in contention, I realize like, oh, this is probably an up and coming like player, a name I should know. So like where's, the PGA tour can like make stars, but that doesn't exist with live. Where's just this trying to poach Morgan guy from Australia? I okay, actually, a uh, guy I played in the match play this year knows him pretty well. Cause I'm, I'm thinking like to compare it to formula one again, like there's some formula one drivers that just don't belong in formula one, like probably the same, like there's probably some guys in live that just don't belong in live, but the reason they just don't belong in professional golf, bring something there. Like, I don't know if he brings some sort of monetary value with him that keeps him in there. Like, I mean, they have an all, I think it's an all Australian team. So I wonder if they just need to, was was he the first Australian Australian in live? No, he and Wade he Ormsby. He and Wade Ormsby okay. were both um, in live on the first event. But then, like a guy like James Pyatt, like there's just dudes who like they're on live, but they would have literally no shot at a PGA Tour card right now. I'm not saying they can't improve and get there, but and so the fact like Wasn't those Pyatt are guys. On tour? No, no, he has not. I mean, he won the US Am. In 20, oh, okay, yeah, he, he was an AM at some of 20, 2020. He won the AM, so this year, 22, right. he played the Masters, but like he's just really been playing not good golf. And like, so he's a yeah. he's a pro now, he's on live, but he would so, so being so to me, being on the PGA tour, having a, your tour membership, like it, there's context to it, like, there you've done a certain amount well enough to get to where you are, but there's like live, live does not have that context. You froze. Are you uh, saying something right now? Okay. Oh, Uh -oh. okay. So robot. All right. I can hear you now. Hello. Hello. Okay. Try again. I can kind of hear you. 
Um, yeah, it's oh. not working. It's not working. We might need to get out and get back in. I'm going to pause the uh, recording quick, and then we can uh, try to figure it out. Let's take a quick ad break. Yeah, we're going to take a quick ad break, and hopefully someone will sponsor us in the meantime. All right, we're back after our free ad. Uh, so Titleist. Noah had a question for me, and I got some uh, improved lighting going on. So, okay. All right, all right. So do you care about the MMA, you know, or just like any fighting, the fighting an scene en- in general? An enema? Do you have one? No, I, I don't know. I don't care about that. Are no. you sure? Yeah. So it's probably because you didn't grow up watching it. Um, sure. Yeah. That that's just not a sport I'm interested in. Yeah. But I think that familiarity plays a huge, huge, huge role in caring about something in general. I mean, I think it does. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I guess that's my point is that it, who, who can be familiar with live, with live golf? You can only be familiar with it for so many months because it's pretty, it's pretty new. So, right. I'm just I, saying it's structure. Like, I think it's, it's inherent to the structure of why I don't. Is like, you can't just create something out of nowhere. I, I think it's like, it's not something that has come, come into being like organically or naturally. Like I, it just feels forced and like that, like, I don't know. I just can't get myself to care about it. Like the, the actual golf, like I, I care what it's doing to pro golf and the world of golf, like the golf itself, like Henrik Stenson hasn't been in contention in a tournament probably since before COVID. And then he won like the third live event or I think it was the third one. So like, that just, I, that is like, how, what am I supposed to make of that? That none of these guys could beat Henrik Stenson. Yeah, I guess I, I, I totally see your argument there. Um, it, in the scenario where you have a limited field to pull from and these people are selecting players to play not only in one event, but to play in a series of events or a season of events, um, it's just tough to compare it to the PGA Tour because they operate so differently. But it's it's another one of those things that I wonder how much of how much of that is just it being new or not. Is it the novelty? Is it is it the differences? Who knows, right? It, maybe it is inherently just a, a worse way to operate professional golf. Maybe, I mean, but. It- it could be comparable to like the XFL, what the XFL was to football. Like when the XFL came to exist, like it was different. It was something that, you know, hadn't been done before in football. It was, you know, they didn't even have kickoffs. They had people run from the goal line to the 50 yard line, try and grab the ball, which on the first play, somebody broke their collarbone. Like it was just different. And I mean, it, it didn't take off. And probably for some of the same reasons we're making here, like it was, something new that people weren't used to people hadn't seen. And how many other lower football leagues have there been? Like there was arena football. There's been the, was the AAF. Now like, there's the these XFL were, again, I think. These or the were USL or USL. Yeah, the USFL. But there, there's all these different, you know, football leagues that, that just never take off because they do something different from the conventional model. 
And sure, I think, but yeah, we'll keep, keep I going, think go. with golf, what, what makes it different is that, you know, the model is still the same. You're still playing golf. You're still playing tournament rounds and declaring a winner at the end of the tournament, trying to shoot the lowest score possible. So that's where like, I can see the argument that eventually this could be something that, you know, becomes conventional and it can become something that a lot of people can get behind. It might not be right away. It might take, you know, a couple of years, but. And there, there have been leagues in the past that did work um, and resulted in mergers um, you know, in the Florida tropics or the Flint tropics, you know, they almost made it into the uh, NBA, but, uh, Jackie Moon. but, but there, there have been successful leagues that have, you know, sprouted up and shaken up the, the, the sports world and become a thing. Um, so it's kind of an interesting topic to, to think about what, what makes a, a new league successful and it, like a lot of other leagues like that, like this, that have been successful, have resulted in mergers with the, you know, the NFL merged with, I can't remember, whatever, back in the day. Um, uh, AFL. Yeah. So, it, you know, stuff like that happens in the, in the sports world. Um, and I, I don't know if that's the future for live golf merging with the PJ Tour. It really doesn't seem like that's really in the picture but there have been other leagues that have been successful yeah um is it just because i'm unfamiliar with it and you know just know the pga tour i mean there's probably something to that but i just think like in I, we can probably talk about this when we can get into the official world golf ranking stuff. I just think the way it's set up is just, is like, I don't know, sort of antithetical to, I don't know if it's just what I expect or what we should be seeing in like the world of professional competitive golf. So I guess, um, I guess I'll just go right into it. Like world golf ranking points. This is a big issue. And it seems like, a lot of the players are maybe surprised that they're in this position. And I'm not exactly sure why they're why it, they would be surprised that they're in this position. Um, but it seems like they would have known, like these are events that don't give you ranking points. And so if you're not already qualified for, let's say majors um, in, you know, the next few years that, you know, going all this time without getting points, they're not going to be qualified for majors anymore. That's why something like a Joaquin Neiman or like a Taylor Gooch, like those really shocked me because Joaquin Neiman is like, you know, he, he saw his good friend, Mito Pereira, who maybe he'll end up going to live, um, you know, come this close to winning a major this year. And he knows he has the game to do it, but then to go to live when he's just, he's not, it's not like he's won a major series. So therefore he's exempt for five years. Like the, the world ranking situation, it seems like, like I said, a lot of them are, they seem shocked that they're even in this situation when it seemed like that's obviously what was going to happen to them. It seems like a very solvable issue to me. So, so, like what, so, so obviously I, I imagine you think these events should be getting ranking points. I kind of want to hear like, so how, why, why, and like how? 
Sure, sure. Did, did the uh, does the European League do they get road golf rankings for their the DP World Tour? Yes. Oh yeah, there's like twelve tours that give ranking points. Sure, and so I guess that's my point: is other tours do it? Why not this? Um, I think the only question is like how sh- how many points and how should they be giving out world ranking points to this? It's obviously a different league, but I think they should be getting points for them. They're competing with that. I mean, here's here's the thing. Like, there's the the official World Golf Ranking Board. They've had a system of, you know, how things can get world ranking points. It's very clear criteria, and I think there's like seven different criteria that uh, Live Golf does not satisfy. So, like all these other tours, it's because you know there's there's a way to qualify for the tour. There's like local qualifiers, like Mondays and things like that. There's, um, you know, ways to get like demoted from the tour. There's 72 whole events with a cut. I mean, you know, that's not every event that does that, but that like, that's the way your tour has to be built. There has to be a certain amount in the field. So there's, there's a lot of specific criteria and live like just, I mean, they, there's a lot that they don't go by. And so then for them to just think like, Oh, and in another one is like a tour, like has to be sort of up and running for like at least a year before it can get points. So then the fact that live, they're just like, they just like, don't care about any of that. They're like, we should just get points because you know, there's, there's very like specific criteria that it's, it's not, what I'm saying is it's not a mystery. Like there's a very known way that golf events can get world ranking points and they just kind of don't care to follow any of it. You can keep talking, uh, Noah and Nick. I'm trying to look up these criteria here and just kind of sure. yeah, yeah. throw it out in the open. Yeah, I don't want to – if there's if there's criteria, obviously I have not looked into the criteria for this at all. But if there is criteria, uh, like you said, about having to be existing for like the next uh, a period of time, like, yeah, they should follow that. But I just – think that it'd be it's like again what i said i think it'd be really easy solution to just figure out a way to give these these guys points and if that's not really the solution then i hope that majors can find a way to at least consider these players because it would be really i i don't want to say unfortunate but or i don't want to say unfair but but it seems just unfortunate that like like you said, guys like Joachim Neiman would just like not be able to compete in majors because they generally, and you could argue both ways that, yeah, he joined the league, so he, he can't do that. But it seems that the majors would be well, more well suited if they had a way for live golf players to play them. I mean, in there's part of that that I agree with. Like, you want the majors to have the strongest fields, um, you know. And you know, for there's a few players on live that obviously, like Cam Smith, the and Dustin Johnson, like some of the most glaring examples of like them not in majors. It does weaken the field. But I don't think, like, I don't know how you award points for these events. I like, I don't know how you. I, yeah. Like, I, yeah, I don't know how you do it. And then the fact that it seems like they're kind of 
I don't know. It, it kind of seeming like a little entitled and like, like, I don't know if you saw that the letter they, they just wrote to like the, the chair of the official world golf ranking board that kind of came out yesterday. They're like, you know, basically all of the live players, I don't know, pretty much begging for the ranking board to give the events points. And also it said retroactively for all the live events they have played. And yeah, I, I just don't, I don't yeah. know how you do it. It does seem like an oversight. It, it's weird that they're not, I, I, I did not know that they were not getting points. I guess I just assumed that they were getting points. Um, so at least like some percentage of points, but yeah, it, it, I don't know how they would do it either. Um, yeah. So just looking at some of the criteria that they don't meet uh, this article I'm reading on golf.com says that a tour seeking recognition must meet upward of 15 criteria nearly all of which he said live meets uh, a couple of them. For example, a tour must operate at least 10 events a year. They only have eight events this year. The events must have a minimum purse of $50,000 and average field size of 75 players, which obviously live is limited to 48. Um, uh, requirement that events be a minimum of four, uh, 54 holes with a 36 hole cut. So, you know, there's, there's some of those things that they're not meeting and, you know, and I, th- and I think, isn't there, aren't there requirements about feeder tours? Yep. Like, like a, um, providing a path to make it to, there has to be like a path tour. to make it to the tour and a path to like, I think lose your status yep. on and, the tour for, if you're not playing well enough. And like, for example, I didn't, yeah, go for it. I didn't read the live letter uh, that everyone's been talking about. But I thought the Kyle Porter tweet was very interesting. Uh, and it says, based on the live letter, it seems that live believes that its players and the, not the structure of the league should uh, engender OWGR points. So basically saying, like, just based on who is there, right? they should get it. Uh, in which case, you could argue that the Seminole member pro should be the seventh highest rated official world golf ranking event every year. Yeah, I was I was going to make that point. Like, there's so... The Seminole Golf Club in Florida, you know, not, you know, pretty well known. And there's, they have a member pro and there are some huge names that play in that event. So if it's, if, so yes, I was going to make that point. So sort of the structure of the tour and how it's run is, I don't want to say more of a factor because, you know, but it's at least as much of a factor as, as who is actually playing in it because the way the world golf ranking is, has done it and is doing it going forward. Like the specific players that are in the field will matter, but um, yeah, sort of the structure of like the ecosystem surrounding it that also like plays a part. Do you think that the players are more concerned about, their position on the official world golf ranking charts, or are they more concerned about getting bids into majors? No, they're concerned about getting into majors because the top 50 automatically qualify for every major. Sure. So then is there maybe just an alternate solution where majors can find a way to just, maybe if you win a live event, you, you get into the majors that year. So I don't know. Like I I feel like they can maybe just figure something else out. Yeah, I just don't know because because so Cameron Smith just won, right? And Peter Uline came in second. Peter Uline, like 
so so say like Cam Smith didn't play as well, and and if Peter Uline wins, like does that get him into the majors when he hasn't? I mean, he hasn't really had like before this year like much PGA Tour status. You know, like I I don't know. And so then if that's a solution, how do the majors like figure out who to invite and who not? And then does it just become an invitational? I mean, the masters is an invitational, but the other ones like, you know, the U S open, for example, like they can't just pick and choose like who to invite yeah. for there's very specific criteria of how to be able to right. like, qualify so, for the U S open. So, so it, it seems pretty clear that the world golf rankings system is based on how current tours run right like the tour came first then the world golf ranking followed right you know they didn't set up the system in place okay, right and like require like the these tour, tours like to the fall, pj right? tour existed before yeah yes. that's, so 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 it like it doesn't seem that out of the box to suggest that they change some things about it i would generally agree with that like I don't think like 54 holes versus 72 is like inherently like, Oh, now it's not competitive golf. If it's three rounds instead of four, I think the longer the event, the more opportunity there is for the best players to um, separate themselves. I think that's true. Um, But 54, I guess, isn't inherently uncompetitive versus 72. I think the biggest thing is like what the entire thing is. Like, I think I still sort of just see it like as an exhibition of guys like who were invited to be there. You know, it's not like you can like, it's not like there's a set in stone way of qualifying for live. Like basically live just tried to get the guys who have built up their own career on the PGA tour, you know? So it's like, they sort of like, I just don't see live being a way for guys to like, or a live being a way to create stars. I think they're just trying to poach the stars that, were built on the PGA tour. But I think that they could make a system to give points out right now. And then if it just didn't work, they could change it. I, I don't, I don't think that would be that big of an issue. I, I do think there's a system they could make, but I also don't believe that, you know, they're going to be getting as much points as they think they are. Like, even if you keep the, the core system of live as it is right now, I mean, you have a 48 player event, where people in the world golf ranking looking at some of the guys like Jediah Morgan, who was number 235 in the world, and this was in May, like their strength of field is is not going to be that strong. So even that if it is you actually win, true, yeah. And it's gonna win, get worse and worse by the event. <laughs> yeah. Even if you win, like your ranking points are not going to be really high enough to even get you into any sort of major. That could be true, unless, yeah. Unless they somehow just decide to give them PGA tour level points, which I can't imagine that would be the case. Cause that would just be absurd. Yeah. I don't, uh, I mean the way I see it, I think they. Here, I, I here's think, a here, here's yeah, another point it. is that, is that the, there's a lot, there's a couple guys, not a couple, there's a, quite a few guys on live who will continue to play majors because of where they are and, in the world, like, you know, like a DJ, and not because of where right. they are in the world golf ranking, it's because of exemptions they already have because they're sure. gonna fall where they, out where they are in the, in the major scene, right? Yeah, and and there's a lot of golfers and live golf who were never gonna taste majors in the first place, right? Like the guy, I don't think, about. I don't think, maybe not like a lot. To think, I don't think they'd like to think that, 
Sure. But at least right now, you know, in the near future, they were, they're not going to taste that guy's was not going to taste a major in the next two years, probably. Right. I think that it really concerns the guys who are on the bubble who aren't quite into majors, but really have a good shot. And I wonder how many on the, are like that. It might be a, a big percentage of the players and that's why they're so, but I, you know, I wonder how many of them are, have exemptions in the majors right now. And, uh- Looking at this list, and this was the people that were there May 31st, uh, DJ for sure exempt into the Masters forever. Uh, did Louis win a Masters, or is he not a Masters winner? Um, he won the Open once, and so that he'll be he'll be ago. he'll have a lifetime exemption into the Open. Uh, Sergio with the with the Masters, and you know that's. Kind of about it. You'd have Cam Smith now for the next fight. Charles Schwartzel, uh, Martin Keimer, but I assume his exemptions are probably about P- up. Period, yeah. right? Period will be Masters. lifetime in the Masters, and he still has, I guess, one more year of exemptions into all of them because it's a five-year exemption into the other Kep- three. Kepka's got to have some exemptions. Kepka still has oh, yeah, exemptions. So, I mean – so there's a guy like, like, for example, Taylor Gooch, up and coming player, obviously very talented. I think he has enough ranking points that he will be able to get into the masters next year. I think he played well enough at the BMW PGA a couple weeks ago, but like past that, he won't be qualified for any majors. Um, who I think Joaquin Neiman will probably be high enough uh, to get into the masters next year. Past that, probably like, not like Matthew Wolf. He's got to be. No chance. I imagine. Yeah, he's he's, he's done. He's done playing majors. Um, I mean, yeah, basically, guys who haven't won a major are pretty much done playing majors that are on live. Yeah. Which, I mean, is like I don't, I don't, I don't want that. You know that like the guys that are good, they make they make the field better. But I, I, I imagine they'll find they'll find a way to get players into the majors. I, it's just a lot I, harder said than done yeah. because to finding a way to like actually give points for these events when I don't know, like the, like the system is pretty like set in place. And I guess I don't want to say like scientific, but it's, it's kind of a science at this point. Yeah. And but, live live has paired with that. Was this the Asian tour? The Asian tour. Yeah. To, to get them points, but, that also doesn't provide a whole like a whole lot of points. Yeah, there was one um, week Patrick Reed between live events went over and played on the Asian tour and he finished like tied for 31st or something like that. And he actually moved down on the world ranking. Yeah. So yeah, I so, so that I mean, I guess to, to that point, like it's not easy to get into majors when you're playing on a normal tour anyways. So right. I don't know. It just seems, it seems doable to make some sort of way. Maybe it's really hard, but some sort of way for guys on the team to majors. And yeah. I don't want to just keep saying that, but I feel like I'm, I keep saying the same thing. I feel like there should be a way to do it. It just seems like there's a solution there, I but I, I don't know what it, I don't know what it is, but. All right. Um, I don't, I don't have much else on that. I just, I just think, uh, I think they kind of knew what they were signing up for, that they were going to be in this spot, but. And I'm wondering if that was maybe something like I'm wondering if they got as, lied to. Yeah, like, as they the, were being Norman had too much over. confidence. Yeah. Yeah. Norman was like, We're gonna get that figured out. You know, that's not 
I'm yeah. I definitely feel like there was some of that. Cause, cause Norman also told them that the PGA tour wouldn't be able to ban them and they Bad. got banned. So when guys were coming over like, Oh yeah, the PGA, they, they can't ban you. And then they came over and then the PGA tour banned them. So I don't know. Yeah. I, I wonder if there were some untruths told to them into the, in the recruiting process, but yeah, how much speaking, longer uh, you guys want to take this? Uh, we've been going for about we're, two hours. So almost, I kind of, this, 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 this is a double episode. Probably, yeah. probably make a couple, like one or two more points on the concerns. We talked about the positives a little bit, so maybe skip to our, our last couple points. Okay. And, so we could either I mean, talk about, it depends how far we go into it, but like the independent contractors idea um, or like the TV it, broadcast stuff. What do you yeah, mean by independent it, contractors? So one of the big points for guys who like were starting to get fed up with the PGA tour and wanted to go to live is like, well, if the PGA tour won't let us play live events, like that's, that's not right because we're independent contractors and we should be able to decide where we play. But then they sign live contracts and then which makes them expressly not independent contractors. So they can't really choose the events they play. They have yeah, to play I don't every have, live I don't event. have an issue with that. I, it's, yeah. I don't like how the PGA Tour banned them, but it's just like they can do that. Like, and it's a membership yeah. organization. Like, it's, like, it's like you as a player has a right to tell that league what to do. Yeah, and as a membership organization, like if you're yeah. trying to support like a basically a rival organization, it's like... the. You shouldn't yeah, be expected no, to. My, it happens in business. All, it's a business. It happens okay. all the time. My so, so I mean, most people. I'll, I'll just. I just want to be clear on this. So, most like big live supporters and live players, like they don't think the tours should have, should have banned or been able to ban the people who went to live. So, I, do you? I don't. I don't think they should have. I think that was. I. I really don't like that that they banned them. I, I don't think they should have, but I think they can. Like, I have no. I. I have no like legal My, issue or like really deep moral issue. You know, I, I, right. I think it was kind of a dumb move, but I, I, they can do that. I'm going to speak to that after Jaden, after uh, Jaden gets his point in. My, my thought on it is, I mean, if they are independent contractors, obviously they have some sort of contract with the PGA tour, which I believe says they cannot play on any rival tour that would hurt the, the PGA tour. And so the one argument people point to is like, well, how many times does Rory McIlroy go play the DP world tour? Do these guys go play the BMW PGA? But you know, the DP world tour is not a tour that is going to hurt the PGA tour. It was not created. And the way that Greg Norman has, you know, discussed live is that it's, it's a tour that's going to come in and it's going to be the new face of golf. And so like, yeah, that, that is violating your contract. They do have rights to terminate that contract. If you violate what you agreed to. Um, but outright banning them. I, I don't necessarily agree with that. Like if you want to give them an opportunity, if they want to go play a Monday qualifier and try and qualify for a tour event, be my guest. Yeah. I, I see what you, yeah. Um, I mean, I, here's my thing is like, what else was the tour supposed to do? Cause if you don't ban them, What's, everyone goes to live. Yeah. What's going to stop more. People so like you, 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 so then the, everyone goes to live and then you got, you have to play 
all the events okay. on the live schedule. But, and then it's like, oh, you could pick and choose whichever tour events. Like that's expressly now, bad for the PGA tour. Now you are new as the PGA tour are saying, yeah, this league is better. And if we don't ban you, everyone will go play over there. Like that's, kind I of think a, it's less saying it's a rendery move. I think it's less saying this league is better and more like they've even said, like, we can't compete with the money. Like, like I said earlier, the money's coming from an irrational actor. Yeah. Like it's not well, it's free market an, sources. It is an endless supply of money. Yeah. And, yeah. and, that, and that's why. So and that's, that's why. why like, as a business. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's why as a business, I don't have an issue with it. Like, I, I, I don't like that they did it, but I don't have an issue with it. I, I think they I see. I really see to. where they're coming from. Yeah. I really see where they're coming from. And, and I, I totally and I, understand the both. Cause like, so say you get, you know, however many million to play on live, it's like, you know, so then, oh, you have to play next year. It's going to be 14 live events. How many events does that leave for people to play tour events? Yeah. No, you know, it, like they, the PGA it, tour it, absolutely had no choice. Yeah. And I'm exactly, glad. Yeah. I, I, I have no issue with that. Um, okay. I guess that kind of covered a lot of it. I, so you said earlier um, that one thing you liked about, live is like you know the youtube broadcast and no commercials and yep. things like that so it's like a it's like a positive and a negative right so obviously nobody wants commercials but also live has to get a tv broadcast in order to survive like they're getting they're getting like 50,000 people watching on youtube and that's it needs to be way higher for for this thing to sustain itself because i mean even like the 3m open which had a horrible field this year is like having like on sunday like multi-millions of viewers versus like live on their this last event on sunday they had like fifty-two thousand. okay okay so but imagine a world in which live golf is is born right and now they're selling this they're they start selling this service to consumers i uh I've been watching a lot, of, a lot of disc golf recently and they're kind of disc golf from a consumer standpoint is really new. And they just, if they were to put a, a, a money, a paywall on their content, they do not have the recognition and the, the fan base that they would just, that they would continue to grow and to, to get well, money in the long term. So they've already so done they, that. So so they, they have it on their live coverage, right? Yeah. But they offer a lot of their content for free on YouTube to watch. They do post Bruce, but the majority of their content is consumed for free on YouTube in an effort to get more people into the game and later down the road to, to, to go into something like the you know, PGA Tour Live does right now, where you have to pay to watch or to go to a, a TV broadcast. So... I, I just think from a business standpoint, it made a lot of sense for Liv to just put it on YouTube for free, tell people well, that it's free on YouTube and get I don't them think, watching. And I, I don't think, think they had a choice. Down the road, I think it's a good plan. No, but see, here's the thing. I don't think they had a choice. It's not like they had like all these different TV like options. Like they, they no one would put this on TV. Yeah, no. And, and I think- Yeah, exactly. Because no, no one's watching, to, right? Well, and, and part of the solution to that is having a TV broadcast, even if like YouTube, you know, like younger people would rather just, it was on YouTube. Like the fact is it being on TV is going to, I don't like 
probably tenfold increase the viewership a TV contract. Yeah. Like it's and and so then with a TV contract comes sponsors, commercials. Like, I mean, so part of what makes the live golf prod- broadcast appealing is also part of what's killing it. I I don't know if you guys talked about, but they are in talks with uh, Fox. Fox, I heard that. Yeah, TV rights. Uh, yeah, to get it on US TV. It's almost like a catch twenty two because, from their perspective, they need to get a TV broadcast in order to expand the viewership, but also which TV network is going to take five hours a day on weekends to air something that's getting 50,000 viewers on YouTube. Like, I don't think, I don't think a broadcast, I don't think a network is going to be jumping at that opportunity. I mean, there could be the possibility too, that if you throw it on TV, like how many, how many older folks, you know, don't, that don't even know what YouTube is or how YouTube works, probably don't know a whole lot about live golf. And if they're scrolling through the TV channels on a, a Saturday afternoon, and they see on Fox sports that, you know, there's this golf broadcast, how many are going to tune into it and, you know, kind of look at it and, you know, fall into it that way. Do you Possibly. think that you think that it being on a channel is the future of live golf? Do you think that channels are the future of media consumption in general? Long-term one, right? probably not. Long-term, probably not. I, I know what you're thinking, but also like for right now, they need it. Okay. All right. I, so a lot of, I, from a, from a viewer standpoint, I, I've said it already, but I, I absolutely love just being able to put it up on YouTube and maybe I'm an hour late, but whatever. I just get to watch ad free golf for four right. hours. Like right. that there's What's not the, a lot of sports you can do that with really. It's really enjoyable. The thing What's is the, like the PGA tour, if there's a, just like some random person, just like, sitting on their couch on a Sunday and they just like pull up, Oh, there's golf on. Okay. You can kind of have it on the background, but if it's a YouTube, you sort of have to search it out. You know what I mean? Like it's a lot less, you can't really come across yeah, it passively. Unless it's, it's, it's like for the people, I guess, but nowadays, but nowadays who doesn't have YouTube on their television, right? On their smart TV and just more people than you would button. know. It's like, I don't think people are scrolling through YouTube on their TV yet. Like, I mean, some people are, but like, an average person, like it's still TV channels. Sure. I, I, I guess right now that that probably is the case, but like when I think about personally me, myself and my friends, maybe immediate group of friends, how we watch TV, it's mostly like Apple TV or like, I don't have cable. I just have a fire stick and I watch prime video and YouTube and Hulu and. Oh yeah. We only stream too. We don't have, we don't have cable, but. Right. So, so I just like, I, I, I like how they're operating right now. And I really think it can work in the future really well. Would it deter you if they went off of YouTube? I wouldn't watch it because I couldn't watch it. That's interesting because I, that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to get a TV contract and have it on. That's actually unless, really interesting. Unless I can download a free app to my TV and watch it for free, I wouldn't watch it. That's why I just steal my parents' Fox Sports login and watch football every Sunday. Um, yeah. I don't know. Um, I wish I would have made fun of Liv more because there's a lot of stuff that's just hilarious, but that's all right. 
We'll keep the, it simple. The live pancakes. I mentioned it last episode, but the live pancakes still cracks me up. Yeah, I guess uh, that account. I saw an update today. There's like 200 tweets that I they're supposedly aggressively pro live. So it's hilarious. Mm-hmm. I think the pancakes tweet... are. So it's what? uh, it's uh, maybe it's run by the same person who runs Use Golf Facts. No, that's Justine Reed. I know it could be run by Justine Reed. She does. Yeah, love maybe. Maybe she made her. Maybe she made her kids some live pancakes. <laughs> She's a babe. Oh my! And there's the explicit rating. Yeah, yeah, that's like uh, took us two hours, but we got there. Took us two. That was well, very family friendly. I could say yeah, a lot yeah. of things. Um, all right. Do you well, want me to be explicit? There, there's a there's a whole lot more that could be said, but um, we've been going on long enough, so. This will be, I, I don't know when exactly I'll post this one, but because I I kind of want to keep like some sort of consistent theme, but I'll be very busy Sunday. I don't know if I'll be able to post it Sunday, so I might have to post it tomorrow or something. We'll see. Are we live still? We're yeah. still recording. It's not live. Oh, okay. Oh. Yeah, but yeah, I, it's so. live. We're All live. right. Well, we will uh, talk about other stuff to talk about in the future, but yeah it was fun um very passionate about the this topic but yeah John, it was fun glad you guys could for, make it work this time but thanks for joining us our resident live golf expert to go live go live golf talk resident us live, maybe resident live live. enthusiast maybe uh L-I-B. big 54 hole guy maybe maybe next episode for, we'll it's the litus international venture on tv Wow, even though it's on YouTube. But YouTube maybe All right. for next time he's on, we're gonna have to give him a live hat. With, with that, um, either stay Ooh. on the bogey train or stay off the bogey train. I'm not I still don't know how to how to say it. Uh yeah. keep listening ride to the, the bogey bo- train when you want to, but don't ride it when you don't want to. It's, yeah, yeah, like uh, stay off you. the bogey train, but listen to the bogey train. My yeah. last words to go with the theme for tonight is live or die. You're live always or die. You will always be on a bogey train, so if you're on this bogey train, you might not be on the other bogey train. So this is a good bogey train to be on. You should something to, something train. to think about. That's food for thought right there. There you go. Well, uh, if you if you enjoyed this episode, uh, you'll probably like future episodes. And if you didn't, uh, well, we're never going to do this episode again. So exactly. you got to try the next one. Give me liberty or give me death. I'm going to give a little plug here. Uh, make sure you follow the bogey train pod on Instagram at the bogey train pod. Uh, we also have a YouTube account. I don't necessarily know the game. I think it's just the bogey train. I think it's just so the bogey train. Yep. We'll subscribe to that. We'll have some content there. Uh, we're uh, still, around. still TBD. If the um, regular podcast content is going to be coming out on YouTube, but every now and then there's, there's definitely going to be YouTube content, but we're, we're for working now, on TikTok as well. So keep your eyes out. For, that is actually uh, not true. We are not is, working on a TikTok. Fall, that is a live statement. Um, that is false. Propaganda. Yeah, yeah that's, um, but Right now, you can it's, find us on Apple. You can find us on Spotify. And if there's any other podcast platforms that you're just dying to have us on, let me know. I can make it happen. But Apple and Spotify sure you subscribe is subscribe and rate right us now. on those two so we can get into the algorithm, uh, get some more views. There you go. You don't. You don't even have to rate us high. Just give us. Oh uh, well, really. give us the five star. Yeah, I'll take yeah. two. It's not bad. <laughs> just give right. us some stars. Dang it. Yeah. Just like live. Well, give us the stars. You guys have a good night. It's yep. late over there in Georgia. So late. At 1030. Yeah. I just um, had a half a gallon of sweet tea. I'm fine. I hope I walk into class tomorrow and all my kids are listening to the bogey train. 
Oh gosh. Yeah. Maybe tell everyone